0: Next Sunday, we celebrate Pentecost. Uh, what a highlight. And it, and it occurred to me as I was thinking about this. Uh, this is an aside here. I'm, I'm deviating from my notes. But it, it suddenly occurred to me that, that when we pray, and, and I think typically we pray to the Father or to, to Jesus, to the Son. I don't know that, at least in my experience, that we often pray directly to the Holy Spirit. But that's okay, too, because it's the same thing, really. But to say, Holy Spirit, come, really, isn't that the same thing as the Lord's Prayer saying, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What, what better expression of God's kingdom coming than His Holy Spirit having permission to control my life? And, and if we have this grandiose idea... of of gaining enough clout as Christians in our society so that we can change the rules and make it a Christian society, then we've got it all wrong. Because we're actually meant to be changed personally, and then from the bottom up, living that out in our faith, in society, and influencing by the way that we live. I told a waitress the other day, we had gone for supper with my folks, and uh, my, my dad was gracious, and he invited us, so he paid. In Spanish, we say, el que invita paga, the guy that invites pays. Uh, but then I wanted to see his bill afterwards, and I noticed that my meal wasn't on the bill. And so I called the waitress back, and it turned out that um, she said, your meal came so late, we decided to not charge you for it. And I said to her, we're often so ready to complain when it's not in our favor, then we should also be honest when it is in our favor. In other words, integrity doesn't have a price. It's, it's, it's here and here and here. It's not only here. So I, I'm, I'm excited this morning because I think that if Jesus gave over this amazing task to 11 disciples and said, go at it, have at her, And and that great enterprise was actually going to be taken on by those 11. We're more than 11 here this morning. So I hate to steal from Lotto Max, but dream big. (laughs) Dream big. Dream big. Not because of you and me, but because of what God can do through us. All right, now I've gotten that off my chest. Now let's go to our passage this morning. Uh, notice in John, and of course, each of the Gospels has a version of the Great Commission, but in John, there's a couple of things that are repeated, and I want to just notice them. It says, twice, he blessed them. And then it says they worshipped or praised Jesus, and then four times, it says he was taken up into heaven. Okay, that's the ascension. And... and a question we should probably ask is, what does it mean he blessed them? What does that look like? Is that like peace, brother? Or, or blessing, is, is, is the context of blessing here the passing on of the baton? Before being taken up into heaven, is he, is this a, is he commissioning them to do the task that he has for them? And and further, what are the implications of the ascension for Jesus and for us? I've been so captivated in our walk through Luke by the fact that Jesus laid aside some of his attributes and he learned obedience. That's what the text says. He was tempted. He walked through absolutely everything. So what better lawyer than someone that's experienced what you're experiencing and can speak to it? We have the perfect meteor, not not just because he's the Son of God, but because he experienced what you and I need him to experience so that he can advocate for us in heaven. Hebrews tells us that, especially the first nine chapters. Certainly Luke's uh, emphasis throughout his gospel on Jesus being submissive and dependent on the Father should be a model for you and me of our own need to depend on the Holy Spirit. And if you take nothing away other than that this morning, I want you to take that away this morning, that you and I need, need to depend on the Holy Spirit. We do. And the Holy Spirit is the personification of Jesus in the life of every believer. In fact, we could say the Spirit of Jesus. There is no infighting in the Godhead. They are together. And it's so comforting to know that the ongoing ministry of Jesus, which is his intercession, he didn't check out and then leave and go to sleep somewhere. His ongoing ministry, his intercession, comes through in this passage. And his departure, his departure, is part of his empowering and commissioning and then sending you and me. I personally think that believers, Christ followers, of all people, have an amazing reason to live. Wow, we have an amazing reason to live. You have the greatest reason to live that anyone could ever have. Beyond being an image bearer, beyond being loved and chosen, you've also been given this incredible task, which you and I both know we can't do on our own. What does it mean here that they worshipped him? I think worship is more than just offering praise. I think it's also a renewed attitude of openness to God and obedience to Christ. And certainly that includes receiving his marching orders for us. So when we get together as a family of faith. We're not really just discussing our individual opinions about what we should do or shouldn't do. We're seeking the direction of the Holy Spirit to guide us together as a body of believers to do what he's asked us to do. Then let's flip to the book of Acts. Uh, Notice in one verse one, it says that, and I should read that verse for you. In my former book, Theophilus, that Theophilus is a wonderful word for God-lover, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up into heaven. All that Jesus began to do and to teach. So so what Luke is admitting here is that Jesus isn't done. He began. Luke only talks about what Jesus began. He's still very much involved. He's still teaching. He's still doing. His earthly presence was just the beginning. And we could even say that the Old Testament experiences and the writings of the Old Testament lay a foundation for his coming and his teaching. And yet now, after the ascension, he continues to do and to teach. Both you and me, and also others through us. He's still doing it. He has not stopped doing or teaching. And much of that doing and teaching comes through the work of the Holy Spirit which then means that I have to have a posture of openness to him. You guys are probably tired of hearing me say that I believe in divine serendipity. But I just keep seeing events or opportunities or encounters that I didn't orchestrate, uh, that, that I see as God moments. And I, and I believe it's the Holy Spirit who is eager to create those moments in your life and mine, and I want to take advantage of those moments, I want to be his hands and feet in those moments. Well, there's also a negative in this passage, unfortunately, and this is pre-Pentecost, so if we look at things after Pentecost, things have certainly changed. But again, we see the disciples looking in the wrong places. You have a kingdom, what I call kingdom disorientation. And by the way, uh, there's, I could go through a number of passages in Luke where, where the disciples are just looking for the wrong thing. They're expecting the wrong thing from Jesus. And here in this passage in verse 6, we have a verb, a noun, and an adverb that all show this confusion that they have about kingdom. Kingdom. So when you and I pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we need to also be clear on what we mean by kingdom. The verb restore here shows that they were expecting a political, territorial kingdom. And I won't get into uh, the, the, the background or the experience, the Maccabean era, and all that made them think that, that the Messiah was going to reinstate a political kingdom and the Jews would once again be autonomous, etc. And so often don't we also think that it's so important to live in a Christian country. Some of you, uh, Wilbur and Hilda, would would remember this, Uh, Lester and Darlene. I spent seven years in Nicaragua when it was a Marxist-Leninist country. I had a ration card. Guess what? the church did just fine. In fact, it was easy to know which side of the fence you were on because it was actually important to know. So let's not get confused about where the devil is working hardest. I think the challenges are significant uh, in our own freedom. Let's not, I'm, I'm, I love the freedom, 100% I do. Uh, but I don't want to be naive and think that the devil has left us alone because we're Christians. He hasn't. So the verb restore. And then the noun Israel shows that they were expecting a national kingdom. You know what's interesting? That that call in Genesis 12, 1 to 3, to Abraham. I will bless you and all people will be blessed through you. That universal idea of I am here. As God's emissary to the rest of the world because everyone's an image bearer and God loves and wants to restore and redeem everyone they lost that we're special and the rest of you are scum sorry for saying it that way that's the wrong perspective you and I are meant to love everyone and we're not here to set up a national kingdom then the adverbial clause at this time shows the expected immediate establishment. Okay, we're going to have a kingdom, you're in charge. We're, we're right back to, Jesus, are you now going to ride that white stallion into the city instead of that donkey you rode in before? <laughs> we have these dreams of control and grandeur. And I wonder if we still misunderstand Jesus and his kingdom. What did Jesus teach about kingdom? Certainly his kingdom was countercultural to the normal kingdom of this world. And I think many of us have had to go back to the drawing board in terms of our own understanding of what's important, what isn't in kingdom through two years of pandemic. And, and there are some that have gotten, they've lost their way gotten drawn in to different things and focused on different things and I think it's it's a valid question what is what does God's kingdom mean for you and what are you focusing on? God's kingdom needs to be understood, it needs to be embraced and it needs to be lived. And I have to worry about myself first, not about the next guy. I't I, I, can't, I can't force you to live a certain way or believe a certain thing, I have to work with myself. What we see in Acts 1 is a parochialism of exaggerated interest in one's own affairs, the disciples, and relatively no interest in the affairs of others. And Jesus responds by developing a missional orientation. And he reminds the disciples that our responsibility does not stop until the gospel has reached the ends of the earth. The ends of the earth. In fact, Jesus said the gospel will be be preached in the whole world and then the end will come. So there are those that talk about UPGs and UUPGs, unreached people group and unengaged unreached people groups that would say, if we can get the gospel to everyone, then we will speed up his coming. The task isn't done yet. It's not done yet. Well, number four, wait for the Holy Spirit. Wait. Don't, don't, don't get ahead of yourself. And, and, and maybe Jesus knew the disciples would would, okay, let's go. You may have a shiny new car, but if there's zero gasoline in the tank, sorry, I'm not even going to talk about electric cars right now. If there's zero gasoline in the tank, you are not going anywhere because there is no power. The power, the importance of the Holy Spirit and His empowering is emphasized over and over in our text. You will receive power you will not generate it, you will not buy it, you will get it from God because God is the source of that power. And you and I need that power in order to be witnesses. We can't be witnesses without it. Our proclamation means very little without the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Oh, it's so easy to try and do things in my own strength. So easy. But we need the Holy Spirit's help to live like Christ and then to explain the difference to those that ask for a reason for the hope that lies within us. Peter. See, I don't think that witness here means that you get a PhD in evangelism. That would exclude some of us. It would exclude me. It, it, it's not about having the four spiritual laws memorized either. Or, or Coleman's plan of evangelism. It doesn't mean any of those things. Actually, being a witness means that you personally have had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ and have a relationship with him, and you can testify to that. And you don't need eight-cylinder words to do that. But you can't really share what you don't have. So if we want to talk about being witnesses, we've got to talk about having it first. We witness with our lives and then with our words. And notice in the text, and we, it's our call to worship verse this morning in Acts 1 verse 8, our witness is centrifugal. It starts locally. It starts at the center. And let's forget for a moment about Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and uttermost parts of the earth. Our Jerusalem at EFC is right here. This is our Jerusalem, our neighborhood. Sign back, if you will. Our Judea and Samaria is, I would say that our Judea and Samaria would be Winnipeg, Manitoba, the north, sorry. Uh, There's something back there. (laughs) And then, of course, the ends of the earth, we all know where that is. That's just a little bit past La Crete. (laughs) I'm just making sure you're awake. I remember playing basketball in Grand Prairie at annual convention at one in the morning, and it was like daylight. I think the neighbors were all mad at us. We start here, and then we move outward. We start here, and then we move outward. And this commission is not only for the disciples, the 11 that are hearing it here. It's ours as well, the whole church. Jesus is giving this to all of us. And you know what? Ordinary people are able to do extraordinary things when the Holy Spirit is at work in their lives. We can. It's not not that we can. It's that he can through us if given the opportunity. (coughs) Excuse me. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is not a luxury. It's an absolute necessity. Our ministry is done through the power of the Holy Spirit. And without His power, I hate to say it, but our programs are ultimately futile. Actually, they... To use an old phrase, I think it's a song, it's like a three dressed up as a nine. That's what our efforts are without the filling of the Holy Spirit. So that leads us finally to our commission. Henry Martin was a pioneer missionary to the Muslims in India and Persia, and he said, the Spirit of Christ is the spirit of missions. And the nearer we get to him, the more intensely missionary we must become. And and I would say it in layman's terms that that the closer I get to Christ, the more what importance to Christ will become important to me. The closer I get to God, the more his values and what's important to him becomes important to me. So in Acts, we see that not only the Apostle, but also all other Christians are active in witness. So we too are to witness. But for us to be effective, for our witness to be effective, it must be witness. That is, it must come from firsthand knowledge and experience with the risen Christ. Like the Apostles, we too must say, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. You can't keep it down. You're so on fire, you're so excited that you can't help but share it. William Temple said the Christian church is the one organization in the world that exists purely for the benefit of non-members. Hmm. This is not a clique gathering of insiders. This is a hospital for the sick where everyone can enter and meet Jesus. And I'm not talking only about this physical building, I'm talking about our fellowship as believers, I'm talking about where we live and work as a church. We live and work for the benefit of non-members. So often we can get so engrossed in our particular work that we lose sight of the larger vision. Some may become so involved in maintenance or in fighting fires that they lose sight of the vision. It's easy to get distracted. I know it's been hard uh, the last while to, to, to stay the course. It's been easy to be distracted. And I think as a consequence, demotivation and stagnation can set in, which ultimately results in a slow death. It's been said that the church that lives for itself will die by itself. The church that lives for itself will die by itself. Emil Bruner, a Swiss theologian, said a church exists by mission as fire exists by burning. I'm not talking about having, oh, a, a big list of missionaries that we send out and support. Remember, we start in Jerusalem. We start here. We reach out. In fact, to me, discipleship happens best in the trenches. I don't, don't read in the Bible anywhere where Jesus sat his disciples down in a classroom and said, I want you to take notes. He did life with them, and they grew and learned by doing life together with him. We should constantly live under the influence of our mission so that we are willing to pay whatever price is required in order to fulfill it. Now, Some of you, this next illustration is going to mean nothing. To others, I hope you'll understand. I've been watching NHL playoffs. Some of you, I think, have as well. Right, right, some? Okay, there's a couple of hands. Have you noticed the level of sacrifice and commitment? I'm willing to break a leg and stop a shot. I'm willing to get hammered into the boards to make a play. I could go on. There is a level of commitment in a sport that is all just about getting to the end and lifting a trophy. And yes, it's fascinating to watch other people make that level of commitment to something that they believe in and are chasing after. But it begs the question, uh, what kind of sacrifice am I willing to make for something that is not a sport and has eternal consequences? Eternal consequences. So I cross the street and I talk to my neighbour I talk to the person at the grocery store. By the way, not chewing them out. I Mentally, I'm thinking, this person's probably been chewed out four or five times already today. I'm going to be the person, when I walk away, their tires are pumped up, and they're thinking, wow, that was nice. How hard is that? It's not hard at all. If something that the Bible testifies about is not true in our lives, we must stop all our activity and grapple with God until we know that it is true for us. You can't sell what's not true. To, be, to believe in the Bible is to believe that what it says works and that it does, in fact, work. So, do we believe? Uh, Kurt asked a great question this morning our faith. Is there tangible evidence? Um, And am I driven then? You see, this clause in our text, you will be my witnesses, is actually an imperative in the future tense. This is a command. And the Gospel of Luke tells us of Christ's ministry on earth in a physical body, while Acts tells us of his ministry from heaven through his spiritual body, the church. And I think that every Christian needs to move out of Luke's gospel and into Acts. We need to be on board. We need to be engaged. So my question to you this morning, have you caught the vision? Are you willing to pay the price? Are you willing to pay the price? And are we as a church focused and prepared to fulfill God's call in our life as a church? Next Sunday, we celebrate Pentecost. (laughs) Amazing. Peter preaches. And 3,000 accept the Lord that day. And I wonder how many of those 3,000 were yelling, crucify him, not 50 days earlier. And there's grace. And there's the move of the Holy Spirit that can change things. And you and I are no better than those who yelled, crucify him, but here we are, because that same grace is available for you and me. And, and when we capture what amazing work Christ has done in our hearts and lives, then we are also motivated to share that with those around us. We cannot help but share it, because it's become part of us, and an important part of us that we want to share. Let's pray, and then I'm going to ask uh, Kurt and Sebastian to come up and see whether there are some questions that uh, they can answer, and then we'll do some more singing. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending us Jesus, who died on the cross for our sins, showed us how to live, and then went through all of the experiences that would make him the perfect mediator for you and me. He's our intercessor in heaven. And thank you, Father, for the Holy Spirit that you sent to dwell in each one of us as we, as an act of our own will, choose to submit to him and to ask him to enter and live and dwell in us. So, Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit would guide and direct each and every one of us, both individually and us as a church family, that we would be able to faithfully pick up this mantle, this commission, and live it out as you empower us and direct us. We pray this in
1: Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, I see the number is up there, so as we're going to start discussing, start... Texting even more questions and comments and and uh, things that you're looking forward to Pentecost about. Ernie told me at the beginning, don't forget, but I did. <clears throat> okay, so the first one is, check, check. Oh, that was just me, <clears throat> making sure it works. Okay, how do oh, I open it again? <laughs> it's an iPhone. There
2: you go.
0: It's a cell phone, it's a cell phone. All right, new technology.
1: This, this could probably be the one question, but we have several, but this is this is a really, could, could take the rest of the day. What does depending on the Holy Spirit look like?
0: Well, oh, I'm so glad that we have
2: Sebastian with us this
1: morning. I know, now we have somebody that can answer this. Perfect. Because I don't know, are we just gonna stand and wait? How, how Should I start?
2: Know? I have to say that Kurt invited me to come this morning And it was just a few before the message. So thanks, Kurt. None
0: of this is premeditated, it's all (laughs) off the cuff.
2: Okay, I will try to answer that. Uh, So you said that's something important at the beginning, and uh, Ernie highlighted that. And I think it's faith, it's about faith. Uh, Sometimes I think, and this is something that I try to exercise every day do I believe in, in God and do I believe in what God says when I when I'm facing different situations in my life do I really believe what he's saying or how I'm supposed to go through so I think that's a way to well, that's the way that I have in my mind right now just to explain that that question
1: yeah I know uh, for myself sometimes I I beg, like, could you just write it on the wall somewhere in English or some clear and direct guidance, you know, like, how long, how long should I just stand here and do nothing? Or should I start walking and, and see if I get directed in route?
0: How, how about looking at it like we look at defensive driving? Someone told me the other day, uh, I drive motorbike, he does as well, he says, I, I drive with the attitude that absolutely everyone is trying to drive me over. So I'm defensive, I'm, 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 I'm aware. How about if we lived our life aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit and looking for His direction in all moments of life? If we actually were in tune to that channel? But see, we, we, this isn't about you get a drink of water once and you never need another drink of water. You, you actually start your day in prayer, and focused on God, but then, throughout the day, like, take defensive driving, because, yeah, Satan is actually out to get you, and, and, and focus on the Holy Spirit in all of the different situations in your life, maybe that was a good idea to wear a bracelet, what would Jesus do? Uh, I think it's about kind of being in tune on a regular basis, yeah, I'm not wearing my watch today.
1: Yeah, so I, I think this question could go in, in many different places. There's there's different ways that humans uh interact and respond with the Holy Spirit. Try this again. Oh, hit that button and then
2: And also one more thing. When when you when you see that or the Holy Spirit's telling you that you're doing something wrong, right? And Next. You are in that, uh, you have that attitude, that defensive attitude. Uh, I think that he's working when when you realize, okay, yesterday I did it wrong. Today I can change that. I find myself many times in that position. Like I try to do something and then my nature comes up. And then I think, am I a real follower? I say that I'm a follower but I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. But Jesus, he knows that I'm going to do it that way. So that's part of the Holy Spirit's guidance in our lives, I guess.
1: The next one is, how can I know my place in the Holy Spirit's call to the church? Well, Kurt, you're an elder. Why don't you answer that one?
2: Can you, read it, can you read it again, the question?
1: Yeah, I'll read it again. How can I know my place in the Holy Spirit's call to the church? Okay.
2: Do you have an answer?
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm sure I do. You I'm can just start. thinking of how to say it.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> how can I know my place in the Holy Spirit's call to the church? So the Holy Spirit is is still calling the church. It's still... Uh, I think... I'm just going to take this where I want to take this. Um, <laughs> God has made me a certain way and gifted me in a certain way, and, I, and I, I think that's whether I know for sure or not that I'm exactly on the right path. I, I continue to be sensitive and, and work through the character that I've been given. I'm not sure if that's quite
0: how about we use, right now. How, how about we use a, a rowboat illustration? you've got 12 guys in a rowboat probably the first thing you need to do is figure out where you're going or, or unless you're going to do pirouettes on the lake but if you're going from here to there you need to establish where you're going and then each person in that rowboat I don't know whatever process you use collectively or whatever to determine am I rowing on this side or that side am I on the rudder am I in the bow am I in the stern so where is my place in this journey, but I think you have to decide where you're going together first, and then what is my, my gifts, my abilities, my passion, what do I bring to the table, how do I plug into where we're going together? So I think that's a step one and a step two.
2: Yeah, uh, another thing that, uh, that I'm thinking about is that sometimes we, can, uh, we cannot uh, separate that idea that we have in mind of a kind of a productive, church so we have to do something and i think we we have to be witnesses right so i mean if we have faith we will act accordingly in on a on a daily basis right and then because god has given to us gifts sometimes we feel that we can do something and we feel comfortable with that and we we enjoy it so yeah uh, at that point, you have to find what you like, and you have to share that with others. Even though you can make mistakes, but I, I think the main thing is just to to try to incorporate that into your life, like the faith, like believing. That that's that's what I feel. I don't know if it's clear the idea.
1: Well, I, I like how you how you said it. When you have the the faith, uh, that's going to guide you, and, and it's hard to. To live and act in a way uh, that you don't believe. i can going try this one more time. So if the Holy Spirit wasn't present with us here, would we even notice? Mm. How do we recognize the Holy Spirit in our lives? No, maybe we'll just go to the next one.
0: It's a very good, que- it's, a, oh, valid question. That's, that's so it's a valid question. It's a valid question. I think when when you see yourself or others acting in a loving fashion and selfle- selflessly, that's not normal. Uh, that's not according to the flesh. I think that's, a, that's evidence of the Holy Spirit. When, when we live together in unity, and, and we put the good of the rest of the family ahead of our own, that's a, that isn't normal, right? So, so I think we can, I, we can point to evidence of the Holy Spirit. Uh, some of you, uh, you, you know, you're, you're serving in all kinds of ways. Uh, by the way, the praise band, they, they get together and they practice. It's not just Sunday morning. Like, there's, there are time commitments to certain things. That's not normal, So what I'm saying is that there are things that we could point to and say, obviously this person is playing to a different drummer, right? That the Holy Spirit, I can see the Holy Spirit in this person's life.
2: Yeah, and also just being here, reflecting on this, that also shows that the Holy Spirit is working in on us, right? Because we are willing, or we, we try to go closer, right? Uh, which is not our, uh, <clears throat> it's not something that, it's not a value in ourselves. He's putting that in, in, into us, right? He, he's moving us to go closer, uh, but still it needs something done by you.
1: Um, <clears throat> I was thinking in, also in terms of comparing what, what we do we compare to possibly a place that a, a gathering let's just say that isn't a church gathering and yet many good things and and, and great you know great volunteering and all, all kinds of uh, things that could be the same as what's going on in a church. how do you know the difference and I don't really know if I have a great answer for that, but maybe sometimes we try to uh, make a lot more things. Um, we have a lot, a lot of things that aren't actually Christ that we attribute to. This is a Christ gathering and this is not a Christ gathering. And, and I just think we should, uh, could, I, this is just in my head because I read I think this morning something that we should not add more than Christ to the message.
0: Okay, thank you, gentlemen. I think we'll uh, let the praise band come up and lead us in some more singing. Thank you so much for participating.